Radio. This is Catholics Read on cradio.org.au. Hello and welcome to this episode of Catholics Read. I'm Luke. And I'm Kiara. And I'm Victoria. And the reason why I kind of overpronounced that word Catholic is because we're currently having a pronunciation crisis <laughs> at the moment because um, it appears that uh, this was pointed out to us like a while back, but we keep forgetting to address it, that uh, in our, what was the name of the poem? We read a poem. Adam's Curse. Adam's Curse by a certain Yeats, who we all kept pronouncing <laughs> as Yeats, and now we're kind of questioning our ability to critique anything. So we're um, <laughs> Googling how to pronounce things like Raven and... <laughs> it's not Raven, guys. Yeah. It's not Raven, in case you were wondering. <laughs> it's, yeah, an Edgar Allan Poe, not Poey. Um, glad we had that cleared up, um, even though none of us thought it was pronounced that way. But we are joking. you just never know, okay? You just never know. Um, but we did not know Quoth. We were divided I on knew. whether it was Quoth or Quoth. Now, why on earth are we talking about a Raven and Edgar Allan Poe and Quoth and that? Well... If you're listening to this from the page, you'd probably already know. But if you're not, we are currently going to be looking at Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven, which was, um, for me, made famous by The Simpsons. Um, <laughs> probably for most people. For most of our generation. Most of our yes. generation. But for, but for the more cultured, um, it was made famous by the fact that it's a pretty good poem. Um, so, Victoria, this is, this, is your, this is your thing. This is your area. Mm. Do you want to tell us about it? Okay, so... The Raven, the Raven, <laughs> the Raven by Edgar Allan Poe, uh, is a poem about a man who uh, is uh, in a- alone in his chamber, and he's a rap rap tapping against his chamber door. And at first, he thinks it's a it's a visitor, um, and doesn't uh, instantaneously react, I suppose, because he he was kind of napping, which I think is cute, which. Rhymes with rapping. Um, nice one there. Yeah. Huh? Um, uh, but later on, he actually goes to enter uh, to open the door. No one's there. And then he hears a tapping on his window. He opens up the window, and a raven flies in it's, and goes to sit on, on the bust on the bust of Pallas, uh, who I'll talk about later. Um, and so Edgar Allan Poe, or the narrator, should I say? I should say the narrator um, is quite amused by this, and actually, actually 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 asks this raven what is your name just kind of in a you know how you sometimes talk to animals yeah i've talked i've done that before um, in my disney princess moments yes they don't talk back well when, that's the when thing I, when i get frustrated with my dog because it won't do what i say maybe actually then again, oh, then again i talked to my horse all the time yeah look it my happens to make fun of him because i call my my, my i refer to my horse as my handsome boy <laughs> Is that his name? No, his name is Midas. Midas, it's a great name. Midas is in Midas Touch. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a very cool boy. Well, anyway, the Raven. He, he talks. Raven, to, he talks to the Raven. Raven. He's, he's like talking to the Raven. He's like Raven. What's your name? Like, kind of in a jokey sort of manner, and the Raven actually answers back and says, "Nevermore." Creepily. Wow, like that. That. That's a lot. Anyway, so what happens in the end is that uh, Poe, the narrator. Sorry, if this was an essay, I'd be getting red crosses everywhere. The narrator. Um, actually draws up a chair of his uh, ex-beloved, Lenore, who he's been musing about the whole through the whole poem. He's very sad because she's dead. He draws up her old uh, chair in front of the door with the bust on the top, with the raven on top of the bust, and starts talking to the raven and uh, this dialogue, 
false dialogue sort of ensues and he asks him you know is there is there re- like sort of is there relief from this suffering is Lenore in heaven blah 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 and he's and the raven keeps answering nevermore nevermore so it's this interplay of basically self harm on the narrator's part because he knows that this this raven only knows one word he muses in his poem that a uh, cruel trainer must have only taught him one word and so he's expecting this response anticipating it until he basically circles into this pit of despair the raven doesn't move doesn't say that he moves from the chair except to get up and yell at the raven in this like anguished scream and um that's basically how the poem ends yeah. it's it's a cheery poem in in in, in that way that's kind of like the opposite of cheery <laughs> yes the, the, it's quite fun to read. I'll put it out there. Yes, it's got it's, it's got quite a it's got a really interesting rhythm. Yeah, to yeah. it, and it's, it's a, it was a lot more readable than the end of how do I oh, how do I pronounce it? Yeats, no, Yeats, Yeats. But unlike the end of Yeats, um, Yeats' poem that we read, which kind of broke down and became very difficult to read, oh, the Hollow yes, Moon. Yes, this one is um, has a very strong rhythm throughout it, so it was actually much more. That actually intensifies. I was reading that the third last verse is meant to be the most perfect mm. of the meter. The specific well, I found it quite uses. when we were reading this before. We kind of took it in turns <clears> to read bits and pieces, and I found it was quite easy because there's this sharp distinction between the first four. And the last four within yeah. the eight, um, so it made it a lot it quite easy to read. Um, although I could never quite get the quoth the raven, quoth, 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 quoth the raven, nevermore bit. I couldn't quite get mainly because I don't really do poetry that much. So, but anyway, good fun. Um, what do we want to talk about with this? Because I actually have not got a clue, so I'm just going to hand this over to you. There's a lot we can talk about in terms of like. Um, I was reading that, unlike most poets, Poe actually spoke about the composition of this poem, which is amazing because a, a lot of the time you can't answer what did he mean by this. Most mm-hmm. of the time we have to guess. Um, or if you have some lecturers or something that Many believe PhDs in Many the... PhDs have been written because of this. Because we have not got a clue. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's done great things for academia when authors just don't say anything. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Pretty words. much. He actually, he actually did say a lot and he talked about the fact that uh, he wanted to have a poem that was about beauty, and he found that the uh, quintessential, like the highest point of beauty, was melancholy, and and the <laughs> and, and the core <laughs> and the core of melancholy, most universally touched on base that everyone could get to, was the death of a loved one. Right, so that's what this poem is about. So I, we could talk about melancholy we could talk about despair we could there are biblical allusions in this poem also greek allusions as well greek allusions in this poem and roman pluto was roman just pointing that out you talk about pluto gilead. Quite a bit. i don't know what that is. oh that's no, gilead that's... gilead is um what's that gilead is... is a biblical reference it's a biblical reference you know really? yes that's yes embarrassing. Uh, no 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 it's um her her hair is like a flock of goats running down Mount Gilead. That's, it is um, it is from that's right. Songs, yeah, that's it, it, it appears songs, in Song of Songs, yeah. and it is the mountainous region of Palestine east of the Jordan River. There you go. I, interestingly, it's the name of the dystopic nation in uh, The Handmaid's Tale, um, but we won't get into that. That's for a completely different reason. Just if you've heard the Just name before. Putting that out there. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I don't know. Um, do you have anything on? I guess. Despair is something we could talk. That's probably something we haven't actually talked about really on this. No, on we this haven't. Program. No. Um, 
I probably purposefully avoid it because I know I'd probably say something stupid and wrong. Um, so I just avoid that territory because it, it is potentially a touchy subject, but I think it's a good one to look at in poetry because it's something that in poetry and in art in general is touched upon because it's part of the human experience. Yeah, and um, if, I mean, I often find with sort of poetry and art, there's a real, in an attempt to be sort of universal, there's this go-to you know, they go to despair and melancholy automatically because it's like to- it's like talking about the weather, but for emotions. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> right. like, I relate to it. Yeah, it, and it's it's almost it's almost become it's almost become kind of. I had the word a second ago, and now now it's escaped me. It's it's almost um, voyeuristic in a okay. way. I, I, I often like in, in some ways I find like a lot of the you know I. Victoria's just um, brushing something off my chin here. Um, we had we had lunch. Like, chinny chin chin. Yes, we had we had um, a picnic lunch beforehand. And, um, I am not. Actually, it's not that. Leader. It was it was a bit off the um oh, off our off, headphones. Oh, our, our dearly beloved and battered headphones. <laughs> now Luke's paranoidly well. checking himself. Um, and um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I often feel like a voyeur when I read poetry. Like you know, I mean, you know, poetry that's very very melancholic and is clearly describing something very personal to the author I feel mm. like an intruder in that space and I don't you know and it's kind of the same thing with you know with art like I, you know I mean I feel really sen- you know feel really sensitively that, like you don't want to intrude on someone you don't want to intrude on someone that deeply especially someone you don't know like what if you do the wrong thing what if you say the wrong thing you know, what if you think it's a load of crap but you know you can't tell someone that it's a load of crap because it's their personal you, yeah, you know, it's that interesting. Kind of, I, I feel I feel profoundly uncomfortable with going into melancholy that way, and mm. especially when people try and shove it in your face as well. And it's like, this is my art, Ugh. and I'm like, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I guess that, I guess it depends. I guess it depends on how it's approached. So, like, yeah. if it's kind of like this, I think you used the word cathartic the other day. Yeah, like that kind of thing where it's this. Oh, you know, I'm sad. The misery likes company kind of thing. Yeah, Like yeah. this kind of, oh, I'm sad. I want everyone else to be sad too. And the sadness diffuses. Like that kind of thing, I can understand it. But of course, there are ones where if it's expressed in a beautiful way and it gives you an insight into that, but it can, I guess it can be in a strange way beautiful in a way I'm going to have to think about because I have no idea how something that is the opposite of of what should truly be beauty, which is like a... Goodness, I think I, I think thoughts, melancholy is particularly poignant in that, like there there is beauty in it. I f- like, for instance, there's a certain there's a there's definitely a beauty in contemplating the um the first mystery of the sorrowful mysteries of the rosary, mm-hmm. the sorrow in the garden. So I don't think there's anything particularly wrong in expressing melancholy. Also, because especially for the for poets. I, Luke was mentioning before that he didn't quite understand the whole notion of writing poetry. I'll, I'll answer. It I don't here. either. Quite frankly, I'll, I'll, an- I'll answer. I, I understand. No, 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 no. I don't. I don't mean as in like I think people who write poetry like are, are not the kind of people that I want to hang around. Like I find yeah, I that totally took I it that way. Fantastic. <laughs> I mean, as in my personal experience is that I've never like in moments of emotional turmoil or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying. That you do this or anything i haven't got a clue but like i've never i've never thought i know i'm gonna write a poem 
Like I've never thought that. Well, I guess the thing is, what yeah. I've what I've noticed amongst like, for instance, I meet a lot of people that write poetry in my in my degree, my, myself included. I meet myself in these. <laughs> I see myself in these lectures. No, um, it is the ultimate release sometimes, and it's the and it seems the most appropriate form of expressing and meditating on, and eventually sometimes getting over whatever you're feeling. So. I suppose that's where melancholy fits into art a lot of the time. I, I doubt most people express it in order to diffuse melancholy throughout the world, but though some people cer- most certainly do. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm I've read some postmodern stuff that is, that like, yeah. terrible. They yeah. just want everyone to be upset with their lives and traditions and, and history and truth yeah, and everything. it's when it becomes a kind of... When it becomes a political statement? That's the word I was going to say, political. Like, not necessarily in the against government kind of thing, but political in the sense of, like, like social. Mm. As in, like, they want it to be... We're doing really well with words here. Yeah, it's <laughs> the words, the words. Um, as in, we want, like I said, diffuse. Like, we wanted to diffuse to other people. And, yeah, I'm going to stop that thought there because I could go on forever with that, but... Um, I guess the problem with turning it into, turning that kind of art into something where we want someone to assimilate to our feelings, we want someone to assimilate to ourselves, um, where it's not so much what Edgar Allan Poe's doing there, which is kind of, I guess, an investigation of his own feelings, I don't know, but it's more of like... Like you said, it's kind of got this political tinge to it. It's got it's, it's got a it's, it's got a pragmatic element to it almost. It's yeah, got like it, it's, this. It's inten- It's really intentional and it's really purposeful and it's bitter. Like it ta- like you know it tastes it it it, br- it it brings a taste of bitterness into my literally into my mouth when I see su- when I see things that are really intentionally depressing. Mm, and mm. it's not because that person itself is a depress is a depressive has a depressive nature or is melancholic by nature. It's because they're just trying to make a point and I'm like, well do you have to make me feel like crap whilst you're doing it? Like there are other ways of I guess it's a bit like last week uh, last time we did uh, regret. Yeah. Like there's no that's the, it's her, a sad, it's it's sad, sad story. But it's beautiful. And it's not like you don't get the impression in it that it's trying to be like, aha, see? Isn't that terrible, women choosing not to have children? Like, it's not like in your face like that. It's just a beautiful story about what's probably a common human experience and is incredibly sad. Yeah. And, and I think that, and, Ed, and I think Edgar Allan Poe does also go that fine line as well. Like, I don't mind reading Edgar Allan Poe's poetry. Um, and when I say, you know, and I, and I really struggle to read poetry. Like, I can't read it in my head. I have to read it out loud, so it makes it really awkward when I I'm feel trying like to this do reading for this read week. out loud, though. I feel that. So much yeah. poetry, I think, is meant to be out loud. Like, it's not... Mm. It's not a... Ri- it's... It's, see, it's, it's, a, it's a performance... It's not performance is the wrong word, but it's it's about saying things as much as writing them down so i don't know it's i quite i quite like did quite enjoy this poem especially the close the raven it's just got that creepy um that very that it it's it's cre- yeah dark, that that's that dark creepiness in a way it's you know it's very halloweeny there's is that a word halloweeny it is now um <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, it's got that real sense of um you know it, it's got all the makings of a good ghost story in a way well, I guess that's why it's been replicated so often in art and yeah. popular 90s 
cartoons. Cartoon sitcoms. Um, about about families yeah. <laughs> whose names start with S and end in Imsen. <laughs> <laughs> and that we all love very dearly. Uh, so great. <laughs> but... Yeah, do you have any more thoughts? I mean, I I feel like we need to mine mine this, the poem, yeah, go well, into and, it, and like, yeah. but even like this whole melancholic element to it, because I think, yeah, we don't want to sell it well, short. The thing that I find really interesting that Edgar Allan Poe does is that a lot of his poems are about melancholy and and loss and grief and sadness. And um, for instance, I was reading Annabelle Lee to Luke and Chiara over our a little picnic. Uh, about, a, about an hour ago. Our office picnic. Which is also about um, a dead woman and grief and stuff like that. And what he does is he writes in this kind of lyrical ba-dum-ba-dum-ba-dum sort of uh, way. It's it's almost jaunty. Um, and then you look at the words and what they mean and it's severely juxtaposed because it's this... Yeah, it's, it's rather creepy actually in a way. And it's yeah. got this really intense... Um, almost sinister sort of feel to it. And I really admire him for that. Yeah. I, it's, it's incredible. Even he talks about the words he used, and he, he said that he not only used the word palace, uh, palace being the name of the uh, bust on the top of the door. who Which the raven is sitting on, whose head the raven is sitting on. Yeah, who is the, I think, the, the Greek goddess of wisdom, I think. Um, uh, I don't know. No, 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 hang on. It's there somewhere. No, 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 that's, a th- uh, that's Athena you're thinking of. No, hang on. Let me think. I did read it somewhere. All the academia basically talks about the fact that it's the goddess of wisdom. Uh, because um, that Palace the, is the a male ir- in both of these articles, by the way. Yeah. Okay, well, perhaps... Edgar, like, the, the narrator ah, here... Hang on, hang on. We've here discovered. we go. They're the same person. Athena oh, and oh. Pallas. There you go. There we go. All right. <laughs> That's just weird. Greek mythology. Well, it's, it's, it's a bit that. obscure, but it highlights the, the character of the narrator who um, is, we've, we're told in the first few stanzas, has basically... I'll read it because it's really good. Um, ah, distinctly I remember it was in the bleak December and each separate dying ember wrought its ghost upon the floor eagerly I wished the morrow vainly I had sought to borrow from the book surcease of sorrow sorrow for the lost Lenore so basically he's the the narrator is a big reader he's it, we get the feel he's well that educated. He's, he's, he's well educated he's been locked in his chamber we think for a while yeah. reading and reading trying to find some solace or something that will touch on his sorrow for Lenore which is why we read a lot of the time I think um to find some form of communion amongst everyone in the, in history. Something. Some yeah. shared feeling. Um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. No. Why was I talking about... Pa- oh, yeah, yeah. He, he said that he used the word palace not because... Well, one, yes, because the goddess of wisdom, but also because it had a sonorous feel to the word. So, like, he was very aware of words and how they made you feel and where they should be put in poems and blah, 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 blah. But he also used her because of the irony of having the bird that mindlessly, and he made the point of choosing a a being that did was not capable of rational thought, which is why he didn't use a human, because mm-hmm. a human could answer questions. He thought about using a parrot for a while, quick, you know, fun fact, mm-hmm. but went on because of the raven, because of its um, ominous imagery in mythology and, and the Bible and stuff like that. And yeah. Um having the raven mindlessly quoting back Nevermore while sitting on the bust of Pallas 
because it would almost um, convince the narrator that it was some form of cosmic... Is, by any chance, um, does he mention Boethius or anything like that? No, no. Because I'm wondering if he's, like, attempting to reference the Constellation of Philosophy. Would you like to expand on that? I don't know what you mean. It's this this thing, uh, I think it's Boethius, the Constellation of Philosophy. It's this writing um, about this, I think it's him, in, in prison. And he's having this kind of crisis and it's this dialogue. I'm going to double check this before I go out and spout something that is probably, possibly wrong. Boethius. Wikipedia Constellation of Philosophy, the right? Here. Again. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was. It was written, it was written during his one year imprisonment. Um, he was, uh, tri- he was charged with treason. Um, you only got one year weird... for that? No, 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 sorry. It was before his trial. Oh. Like he was, he was, Charged with treason, and he was in prison. Okay, wait, awaiting trial. trial. I see. And so okay. he um, say that's a very light sentence has for this... treason. No, no, no. no. <laughs> so he's having this. He's having this. Uh, this dialogue with this woman named Lady Wisdom, um, who I'll just check. Well, when was this written? Boethius. We're mm. talking fourth. Oh no, 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 no earlier than that. Early. Quite a... Oh, sorry, sorry. No, yeah, fourth century. Uh, Sixth century. Six, six, a bit later. Sixth six, century. Sixth century. Yeah. So, and it's this, yeah, it's just this, this dialogue that he's having with this lady wisdom. And I guess it's a philosophical dialogue um, about lots of different philosophical things. And he's comforted. Like, she has been sent, lady wisdom has been sent to comfort him while he's in prison. Now. Wow. Okay. So this is, this pro- is really probably a direct inverse. Inter- in, yeah, inverse. It's an inverse of, of it. Like, this, is, this is whole no constellation of philosophy yeah. thing is something that comes up a lot in philosophy Throughout the Middle Ages, and that I mean, there's even an there's a quote here on the Wikipedia article. Um, <laughs> <laughs> spoiler alert! Luke's looking at Wikipedia from C.S. Lewis saying to acquire a taste for the constellation of philosophy is almost to become naturalised in the Middle Ages because it has such this whole idea of fortune, um, a lot of things that come out of it because it's this bridge between the ancient and the medieval periods. Mm. Um, so it's very big. Like, a lot of people would know would know about it. I mean, it's got here about how the translations were made into the vernacular for a whole bunch of different people, including Chaucer, Queen Elizabeth I, um, a bunch of French people and German people and that, who I'm sure the French and the Germans would know, but no, I don't. It's part of the canon of the... It was yeah. very... It's yeah. very, very influential. Um, and so... I'm wondering if Edgar Allan Poe would have been possibly it could referencing potentially that. Potentially be a satire on that because he he is having a dialogue with a raven. He's having a he's talking to a bird and he's, he's not a Disney to princess. A, he's talking to a bird sitting on the head of wisdom, and there is no consolation in the end. In fact, there's I I believe there's the hint of impending insanity. To be honest, mm. so it goes in the com- complete different this way. This and you could say that he was like, for instance, there's there's no mistake in the fact that chamber has gone both ways in the English language uh, chambers in your room chambers in a prison yeah you could you could look at this character as being in a prison yeah uh, mentally a prison of his own making anyway. prison of his own making yes um, this is really curious because like I do I do wonder if I mean this was written before the postmodern period this like is the early seeds of the... yeah yeah like this pre Nietzsche, this is pre a lot of those kinds of thinkers. Mm. And it's 
kind of interesting because their whole thing is like this kind of staring into the abyss, staring into this blackness, which is what really informs our world today. Um, but he's writing about it in poetry. Like, See, this is the funny thing. What, Art like always decades pres- before. So this is the funny thing about the artistic expression. You always can predict. Yeah. If, you, if you want to understand what intellectual movements, art is the the crest of the wave, so to speak. So whatever the po- you always pay attention to the poets and the artists because they're the ones that are the most sensitive yes. to what's going on in society, you know, in society mm. and in thinking because they're they're aware of it and they're processing it through their visual, you know, through the you know through their mm. um, visual Percy their, their um, various. Arts. Percy Bysshe Shelley, uh, Mary Shelley's husband, wrote an essay called In Defense of Poetry or Defense of Poetry, in which he calls poets. Well, he says that the word poet comes from the Greek word like poesia, which means the maker. So that could be a musician, artist, poet, um, so philosopher. All three, like Homer, for example, who wrote down the Odyssey for the mm. first time, he was a bard. And who would have had music, who would have had yeah. spoken words, who probably had visuals as well. Like, that was the earliest for, you know, it was a jack of all, it was an all-in-one mm. kind and of he, trade. And um, he called them the unacknowledged legislators of our time and prophets. Mm. So he's talking about the sensibility um, of the poet in terms of, yeah, I suppose, foreseeing the mood that will take on society from... From there, I suppose. Yeah, yeah and you know, you see, you see. I mean, a, I mean, the classic kind of illustration in terms of how art and poetry precede the events. You look at the early artistic movements in the early twentieth century, so nineteen oh ni- early nineteen hundreds to nineteen ten. You get cubism. What yeah. is cubism? It's fractured. Mm. It's ultimately, you know, a breakdown, a fracturing of society. Picasso is the most is the ultimate example of cubism, and what happened in 1914 world war yeah. you know the war that broke europe and it's still you know europe is still reeling from that first world war and picasso in a way saw it coming yeah, and I he was trying to tell people yeah it's got here like um yeah it's quite it's quite interesting this stuff is like 1907 1910 yeah i mean this is all stuff. I was under the impression, I don't know art history that well, but I was under the impression that Cubism was a response to the First World War. No, it was no. Preceded. It preceded the First That's World War. That's very interesting. Goya is another classic case in point. He um, He's a Spanish, also a Spanish artist. He, in a way, preempted the Civil War and the, and the mood really that would take over Spain in the, during the Civil War between the 30s and 40s. <laughs> um, you know, and in a way, it is kind of creepy, but I wouldn't be surprised if Edgar Allan Poe was kind of was ahead of that curve of the abyss, uh, you know, of staring into the abyss. So what Nitschke took up and articulated into philosophy was actually going on a lot earlier, and Poe was probably a part of it. Well, especially, it, it, you know, what is it, the end of the 18th century, beginning of the 20th century, like you see that... Well, he's mid-18th mid, mid century. Mid-18th century. Mid-19th, sorry, should sorry, I say 1800s? Uh, mid-19th century. century. Oh, it always gets me mixed up. Um, mid-19th century, so... That, you know, Nitschke came at the end of the... Nietzsche. Nietzsche. We're having a pronunciation Nietzsche. thing today, aren't we? Nietzsche came at the end... <laughs> Nietzsche. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I'm suffering my own opinion. <laughs> it's a really complicated so word. So what do I I'm say now? I'm probably not pronouncing it myself. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I don't know what you were saying. 
Friedrich. His name is Friedrich. That's what I'm going with. Yeah, Friedrich. let's go with that. <laughs> I can let's pronounce that. that. I see the first name music. terms with him. Friedrich. Uh, Friedrich was at the end of the 19th century, so you know you got to give it at least sort of. You know, it depends a bit. Yeah. It depends a bit on your timeline. I guess it's it's that it's that interplay. I guess between between philosophy and art and political thought and those kinds of things are always in this interplay and influencing influencing each other and so i mean postmodernism exists because modernism existed it wouldn't be called postmodernism and now we are in post postmodernism so, <laughs> what are we uh, we're, we're taking, let's just go with that we're, we're, <laughs> we're, we've got we've, we're past postmodernism now and we're into post postmodernism but no one's come up with a name for it yet so yeah, I don't know. it's post-postmodernism. Some people would argue we're still in the medieval period, but anyway. Um, <laughs> Those people are dolts. No, 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 no. It's because of Platonism. Oh, but anyway. Um, right. Yeah, we're still we're still trying to figure out Platonism, hence why we're still in the Middle Ages. But um, <laughs> it's one interpretation. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're we're kind of pretty much out of time. Um, Already? Yeah, yeah. It's I feel got like here we haven't talked about anything. Thirty minutes and twenty-five seconds. Uh, according to my little timer thing there. So, I mean, we've covered... We, we haven't covered, like, a huge amount, but we've delved into this whole idea of despair and and melancholy quite a bit. We've um, delved into the relationship between art and history. And, and humans. It's a big thing, I think. Yeah. You know what's great? We managed to meld together our, like, our little... Pet topics. Niches, our, ne- our little yeah. various yes, knowledge did. niches. We did, we did. Good work, We've got team. the philosophy, and we've got the literature, and we've got the history, and yeah, we're doing, we're doing good. We're doing good. We're getting better at this. We are yeah. getting better. It's our 21st yeah. episode. You think we're... 21st by time, episode. It's time we grew up, hey? <laughs> yep. We're growing up. All right. So I suppose <laughs> the next, uh, for next time, what are we going to do? Um, I'm thinking we might do, if we can find it, that book... Ah, oh, the unbearable lightness. Of, no, 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 no. There was that book that I received from, from our friend from at our the friend, beach. From our friend at the beach. <laughs> you we're not know who you are. On television. Um, <laughs> on television. You're listening to this. This is radio. Which, I don't know. Let, let's make let's make her listen to it because we're doing a shout out to her. <laughs> um, and it's called I can't even remember. It's called like the, the seven people, people you'll, you'll find, find in, in heaven. Or yeah, something, something like, like that. that. On, seven people you'll find in heaven. Seven people. I hope our library you has it. We'll meet in heaven. Let's go with that. Um, the five people you meet in heaven. Oh. Um, Sounds like a BuzzFeed article headline. <laughs> <laughs> you won't believe. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm just saying. How, how the internet has You'll be shocked at what they do next. <laughs> um, oh, man. You won't believe the third one. Yeah. <laughs> the first one had me in stitches. Yeah, okay. We could just it's do a whole true, e- though. We could just do a whole episode on like those cookie cutter <laughs> bus feed and just general clickbait <laughs> articles. Okay, so um, the five people you meet in heaven is by a fellow named Mitch Album. And it is it's kind of like this sequel to something. I forget what it is. It's a Anyway, we'll probably we'll probably talk about that actually when we do it. Um, this is of course pending that people can actually find. Yeah, there's find always the, the there's always the chance that we'll be talking next episode with a completely different text because <laughs> we couldn't true. track down this book. But I have it, and um, I mean, if I can read it in a week, because I'm not going to read it in the next week, because I have assignments to do. 
Um, but I mean, yeah, let's do that. So it's Tuesdays with Maury is like, it's kind of spiritual, not spiritual. That's a terrible word to use for things like this. It's, it's Thing. material system. We're doing so well with words. Um, <laughs> does anyone, does anyone know Tuesdays with Maury? No. Nope. No. I, 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 I hear Maury and I think Maury Povich, but that's just me. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Well, we were talking about BuzzFeed, weren't we? Yeah. Um, so let's do that. The five people you meet in heaven next time on Catholics Read. So we'll catch you next time. Uh, be sure to send us some send us some tips if you want us to read anything in particular. Especially uh, with the new year coming anything. up. Or if we've pronounced anything incorrectly. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll take your corrections on board and we do will, our best. We will, we will. Um, thank you for that, by the way. We're not being sarcastic about that. It's like actually a good thing that we know these things because it makes yes, us Yes, thank look you for making us much... utterly paranoid. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But we look less silly. It's no. how we learn. Yes. It's how we learn. Yes. So, next time, The Five People You Meet in Heaven by Mitch Albom. I don't even think that's how you pronounce his name, <laughs> but who cares? Because it's the end of the episode. Bye. 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 That was an episode of Catholics Free from cradio.org.au. 